Google says you should have listened to Neil Headley. Hi, and welcome to The Voice in My Head for Monday, August 29th. First episode of season two. My name is Neil Headley. Okay, so the title of this episode, not exactly a direct quote. But I saw the recent Google announcements sending SEO aficionados into their latest algorithmic tailspin from miles away. I made a point of saying so here and in other places. Maybe you just didn't know me back then, or maybe you just kind of dismissed me as being too old school to be relevant where things like SEO were concerned. It's okay. No grudges here. As often as I can, I try to be a judgment-free zone, although the bird outside the studio window is testing me on that. The reality here is there are two reasons why you should have listened to me, and actually that doubles my justifications for saying, nye, 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 but I'm going to cover them both here, and heck, I'll even offer a solution. Nye, nye, part one. Here's the deal. About a year ago, I ran a test with the market leader in artificial intelligence copywriting. Now, I told them nothing about the test. I created the test to be as organic as possible, and what's more, I wanted the unvarnished version of the results that an average user could expect. I shared the results in the second episode of this podcast in a piece called On Podcast Advertising. Now, maybe podcast listeners prefer host-read ads, as we're told they do, because the copy being generated for pre-produced ads is just really bad copy. Maybe because, I mean, no offense, your podcast isn't the Super Bowl, the advertiser didn't put their best writer on it, or worse, they got an AI engine to write it. So they abdicated their responsibility for producing great copy. No effort to try and counter the built-in trust factor of the host-read ad. Specifically, I fed all the information I could find about Time Magazine into the market-leading AI copywriting bot. Now, the AI gave options for the length and the tone of the copy that was to be generated. I specified it was for a radio commercial, and I hit the drop-down box to create something that it described as witty. Afterward, I compared what I got back against a series of commercials that ran in the 1970s for time. Those spots were created by the legendary team of Dick Orkin and Burt Burtis. The results? Well, time credits the Dick and Burt spots for having built the brand. If you go back to the episode of the podcast I'm talking about, you'll hear one of them. They're hilarious. They take the same comedic energy that made a classic out of the Abbott and Costello bit, Who's On First, and they turned it into effective, memorable advertising. On the other hand, the AI's version of witty was nothing short of painful. It was the same feeling I get watching stand-up comics bomb. Not witty, not even mildly amusing. You know why? Because artificial intelligence bots can't write funny. An AI can write something derivative, but they can't write original and funny. They can't create that. It's just not in the programming. Not only that, the copy created by the AI was just plain bad copy. The AI left a dozen gaping holes that my first-year copywriting students would have spotted on their first day. The market leader in AI copywriting gave me, despite my best efforts, a terrible piece of advertising. Oh, but guess what? I fed the copy into a tool that checked it for proper search engine optimization. Well, the SEO checker thought that it was perfectly fine. Yeah. 
It's not rocket science to see where this is leading us. It's poorly written copy that the SEO gurus will prop up as being effective because it checks off all their boxes. Google agrees with me. The truth is they have all along. They just didn't think they needed to say so. Google couldn't have envisioned a scenario where people forgot who actually consumes things. The truth is your computer has never purchased anything, at least not on purpose. Furthermore, it's never actually read anything. Yes, it has scanned the text on everything, but your computer's never been moved by something that it read. Google never laughed at something funny or cried at something sad or got angry about something. I pointed that out here in a piece called The One Thing That's Killing Your Writing. There, it was about how no one ever became a fan of Diana Ross and the Supremes because of SEO. At best, SEO might have helped someone find Diana Ross and the Supremes if they'd never heard of them before. And maybe if they had Googled best Motown group of all time. That's not the heavy lifting, though. Because people read articles. People listen to Motown. And people decide whether to buy things. As a result, on August 18th, Google finally addressed the elephant in the room. They released new guidance in an article called More Content by People for People in Search. The TLDR version, stop writing for search engines. Stop using AI to write for search engines. Start writing for people and start using people to do that writing. Among the most relevant chunks, here's a great quote from Danny Sullivan, Google's public liaison for search, who said, We know people don't find content helpful if it seems like it was designed to attract clicks rather than inform readers. So starting next week, for English users globally, we're rolling out a series of improvements to search to make it easier for people to find helpful content made by and for people. Nye Part 2. Given that statement from Google, you had to expect some consternation. <laughs> who am I kidding? There was a meltdown. It turns out that tons of people on the internet who were branding themselves as copywriters were actually just algorithm hackers. I know that can be difficult to hear, especially for people who've been forced to backspace over their professed skill set. Now, Google has made it clear. Write something that inspires a reaction in humans, you're a copywriter. Write something that ranks high on search engines, you're a coder. Although you can make an easy argument for combining the two skills. If your piece of inspiring writing also manages to rank well, well, you found the sweet spot. Now here comes the metaphor. Because if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know I'm a, a fan of credulity-stretching metaphors. Here comes an easy one. You write a love song on the guitar that makes people overwhelmed with emotion. Elton John calls you. He wants to record it. But he asks you to tweak it for the piano. Further, Elton asks you to transpose the song to the key of F so it's easier to reach the high notes. You still wrote a beautiful song, and it's still going to overwhelm people. All you did was take your beautiful piece of writing and make some tiny little changes that didn't really alter the impact at all. Now, alternately, you could decide that you want to write something in the key of F, 
You make it five minutes long because somebody told you that 300 seconds was the sweet spot for a hit song. You add the word love 18 times over the course of the five minutes. Put in a couple of key changes for variety and ask a celebrity for a collaboration on the second verse. Oh, and make sure the title really nails what's in the content of the song. The rest, eh, it doesn't matter so much as long as it checks off those boxes. Now, which of those two are you seriously going to want played at your best friend's wedding? What the future holds? Would it surprise you to find that my rather stark assessment is actually sugarcoating it? Meet Braveen Kumar. He's a writer and fractional B2B content marketer who works mostly with software-as-a-service companies. He just published a terrific piece called I Spent Five-Plus Hours Pushing the Limits of an AI Writer, and it was terrifying. You'll find a similar experiment to the one I used for Time Magazine. However, he went into a ton of depth investigating exactly what an AI writer can do and what it can't. At the end of it, he arrives at a stark conclusion. After spending over five hours testing an AI writer, he says, I can confidently say that the bottom 30% of writers are probably screwed. In addition, there's this, Jim. He says, it sounds harsh, but if you're the kind of writer who can be easily replaced by an AI, you're not a writer. You're a typer. Ouch. The solution. You might infer from all I've said, a belief that I think SEO copywriters have no skill. Well, that's untrue. It's just a different skill set than the copywriting that I place value on. And now it seems the copywriting that Google places value on too. For the reasons that I outlined before about Diana Ross, I'm far more interested in provoking responses from people. If you're selling something and wrote copy that impressed a search engine, great. You still have to get a response from the human before you're making a sale. Creating search engine copy that was terrific but doesn't work on the human means that I've achieved nothing. If the writing on the wall has left you uncertain about how to avoid falling into that bottom 30%, well, there's an easy fix. It's just a shift of focus. It's less about tricking the bots and more about connecting with other humans. The bottom line is there's far more power in influencing people than in influencing a search engine. Staying away from that power is, to me, a mysterious choice. Your search engine results won't convince me to love a certain restaurant. At best, they can alert me to the existence of it. Likewise, your Google ranking isn't going to make me vote for a certain candidate, unless I'm an idiot. Instead, the best you can hope for is to alert me to information that might influence me. And no amount of search engine juice will convince me that Hudson Hawk is a good movie. Maybe I can help directly. If you need a hand with changing the focus of your writing to make it more powerful and inspiring for the ones who actually matter, well, I can help you with that. Keep an eye or an ear on this space for something we've put together that I promise you will make you a better writer and you will get that result without massive investments of time and money. We'll be unveiling the details two episodes from now on this very show. And finally, the caveat. There is absolutely one scenario where Google's tweaks and Braveen Kumar's assessment should be cause for concern. 
if your business model is built on tricking people to come to your derivative robot-driven website so you can blast them with a hundred ads, then yes, be worried. Because the gravy train you've been riding by making the internet suck more is very likely nearing its end to make room for people who have figured out that there's a difference between creating and hacking. That puts the wraps on the first episode of season two of Voice in My Head. And listen, if any of what I just said would inspire you to pick up the tab, if I were to have laid it all out for you over a caramel macchiato, feel free to pick up a virtual coffee instead to say thanks. Just head to buymeacoffee.com slash NOP. And NOP is spelled K-N-O-P-P. If you want to reach me directly, you can drop me an email to discuss this or whatever else is on your mind. I'm happy to help. My email address, Neil, that's N-E-I-L, at nopstudios.com. Until next time, thanks for listening to The Voice in My Head. I'm Neil Headley. 